This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Let's pray. God, we all live in this world, and we are so aware that there's way too much violence in this world. Any violence is too much. But it seems like everywhere we look, even in the schools where our children should be safe, it seems like we can't be sure of that. And there's war and rumors of war and missile tests and and real-life bombs and shells. And um, it's a hard world to live in. And you have taught us to pray for kings and those in authority and presidents and Congresses and God, we, we this morning we pray for our world. We pray for the presidents. <clears throat> we pray for the dictators. We pray for the prime ministers. We pray over every place that's filled with unrest. We pray over the superintendents of school districts, and we pray over the principals of the schools. God, would you work in our world to keep people safe? And then, God, we pray over the people who have been either their families have been disrupted and they've lost family members through these hurricanes, these tornadoes that have swept across our country and just created devastation wherever they have gone. God, we pray for those families. We pray for those cities, some of which have been virtually wiped out. We pray for the mayors and and the first responders who have seen terrible things and family members who are going through tough times. And God, along that line, we pray for the Salvation Army in our own town, and we partner with them as they have a big job of helping those who are are, are most in need, and we pray for Major Laura as she leads the Salvation Army in our town. <clears throat> would you strengthen her? Would you lift her up? And finally, God, would you be with our church as, as we are in this wonderful search for a lead pastor? And we're so grateful for those who have applied and the process we're going through in. Would you guide us to a, just a fantastic lead pastor that could take the baton of leadership from this church and carry it for hopefully a couple of decades or more? And would you lead us and guide us in that process, and not just us, but them too, so that the next pastor that we hire, there would be a deep sense in them that they have been called right here, and there would be a deep sense in us that you have called them. Now, Lord, would you guide us, open our hearts as we learn this morning? Would you shape and mold how we think and how we behave so that we might learn from Jesus and in the process might become more and more like him? We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. So I don't very often do this. But this morning, I'm going to give you a drink from a fire hose. Are you ready? Okay. I want you to take your news and notes and pull them out and flip them over because on the backside, 
there's actually a place to write fill-in-the-blank notes because I'm going to teach you 10 things this morning, and each one of them could be a teaching all in itself. So are you ready to listen fast? Because here we go. We are at the beginning of a teaching series called It May Be Friday, But Sunday's Coming. And if you're not familiar with Christian history, in the last day of Jesus' life, it was a Friday that Jesus was arrested and crucified, and it was on Sunday that he rose from the dead. Those are three days that changed the world, and I don't have time to get into all the theology of it, but they're the three most important days in the history of our world, rivaled perhaps only by the one that's coming when he comes again. Okay, that will change the world too. Um, but we're going to focus on this Friday to Sunday period of time. And in the Christian world, many people call this coming Friday, Good Friday. And there's good reason for that. Because it was that Friday that Jesus gave his life and paid the penalty for all the sins of all of us who have ever lived and forever changed our eternity. That's pretty good, don't you think? That's awesome. But I can tell you that that Friday was anything but good for Jesus. On that Friday, he would be deserted by all of his friends. On that Friday, he would be arrested and incarcerated, put in prison. On that Friday, he would undergo four kangaroo trials in which false witnesses would say all these things. They couldn't get them to agree. And eventually, Jesus would be convicted of, you know what crime? Are you ready for this? He was convicted for telling the truth. That's pretty harsh, don't you think? And he wasn't just convicted. He was sentenced to capital punishment. On that Friday, he would be stripped naked. And he would be scourged. And if you don't know what a scourge is, think of a whip that's made with multiple leather um, straps. And on the end of each strap there's a broken piece of pottery that's tied there. And they would bring it down across your back and the pieces of pottery would sink into your flesh and then they would yank it out and do it again and again until you were just barely alive. On that Friday, he would be hung naked on the cross in public display, and left to die. That's a tough 24 hours, don't you think? Yeah. You see, we might call it Good Friday, but Good Friday was actually the darkest and toughest day of Jesus' life on earth. I want to start with a myth that we all, I know, we might not say this out loud, but we all have it in our subconscious because we're human. And here is the myth 
The myth is, if I live in a way that pleases God, he will keep these Friday seasons minimal in my life. Here's what I mean by that, okay? And that is, if I'm doing what pleases God, then basically nothing really. Now, we're not, we're not so stupid as to say, I won't have any trials. So we kind of, in our minds, reduce it to minimal trials, and what I mean by minimal is my trials certainly should be less than those who don't follow Jesus. And then the one we don't like to admit, but it's actually the real truth. My trials should be less than people who sin more than I do. Can you own up to that? We all kind of have that as a backdrop. And we all have our sin meter going. Have you noticed? And when a person sins worse than I do, I want them to be cursed more than I am. And when they're blessed, I go, God, what's up? I'm trying to live right. Yeah. Listen, here's the truth, and you'll see it on the screen. If Jesus had serious Friday seasons in his life, I shouldn't be surprised by the Friday seasons in mine. Can we get on board with that? If he wasn't exempt, who am I to think? You know what, God? I know this doesn't sound right, but here's what I'd actually here's what I actually think, okay? And that is, I know Jesus had a tough Friday, but I'm living a good life. I don't think I should have those. You know what God would say to that? You think you're better than Jesus? Is that really what you're saying? No, we would all say, no, I'm not, but, 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 but. Did your parents ever say, I don't, don't say, yeah, but to me. That's what my parents used to say. Yeah, but, no, don't yeah, but me. I think God wants to say to that to us sometimes. Now, listen, here's the key. Jesus endured this Friday because he knew that Sunday was coming. And so the key for us is this, to live with this mindset that says, it may be Friday in my life right now, but Sunday's coming. And I want to talk especially this morning to anyone who's here that you're in a Friday season. I'll give you a little example out of my life. Okay? Actually, it's not so much out of mine. It's out of Monica's life. That's my wife, for those of you who are new. Okay? In the last 18 months, Monica's been diagnosed with cancer. She's undergone three major cancer surgeries two minor surgical procedures associated with that. She's undergone three months of chemotherapy. She's had a heart attack. She's had a triple bypass heart surgery. And she has a surgery coming up this Thursday that we hope will be the last in that whole process. And in the middle of that, our lead pastor felt God calling him to leave. And I re-inherited the church. Some people would say, that's a Friday season. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's a hard season. And yet, it may be Friday. 
but Sunday's coming. It's learning how to live in that hope. So here are some questions to help us. The first question is this. What can we do in the Friday seasons of life that will carry us through to Sundays? That's important for us to know. And actually, maybe a deeper and better question is this. And that is, what did Jesus do in the Friday season of his life that carried him through to Sunday? And the Bible gives us a wonderful peek into this. And I want to point us to the author of Hebrews who wrote the following. Let's stay focused on Jesus who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. How in the midst of all that adversity did Jesus continue to focus on this joy? So I went back to the story of Good Friday, and I just dug in, and to my surprise, I found nine things that Jesus did, and one thing that God did, and in the process, it empowered him to walk through. So, are you ready? Get your pencils out. We are ready to jump into this. Here's how the story begins. We're going to pick up the story at the end of that Passover meal that we talked about earlier. When the Passover meal was finished, Jesus and his apostles sang a hymn. Now, unlike you and me, we have cell phones and we have ear pods and we have, uh, you know, playlists and we have Spotify and Sirius XM radio and we have all kinds of ways to tune into musical worship. On this night, Jesus tuned into, in the darkness, Jesus tuned in to musical worship. That is step number one. And in the darkness, you and I can do that. Because music has a way of touching, it goes directly to our spirit. And when we are, when it feels dark and we feel lonely and we feel powerless, if we will take the time to pull up some musical worship and just begin to listen, something happens down in here. I liken it to this. You ever get your computer all messed up and it just won't work right? And you finally got fed up and you said, I'm going to hit the reset button. And you shut everything down and you hit the reset button. And when it fires up, everything works. It was like, man, am I glad I did that. There's something about musical worship that hits the reset button for our soul. It's good stuff. That's where Jesus started. The story goes on. Then he led them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Now, most Bible scholars believe that th this was a, an olive grove of trees on the, on the hillside of Mount Olive, which is the city of Jerusalem is built on a hill. There was a valley right here called the Kidron Valley. And the Garden of Gethsemane was kind of the first thing you encountered as you came up out of the valley. And most Bible scholars believe that that's a place that Jesus often went to to pray 
when he was in Jerusalem. And the point is this. Step number two is this. And that is in the darkness, Jesus went to a quiet place where he knew he could connect with God. Those of you who have been Christians for a while, I hope, and if you don't, I want to encourage, I hope you have a place or two or three that are your favorite places to go be with God. If you don't have one of those, I want to encourage you to get one. It's so good for you. This was a place where Jesus knew he could connect with God. And he knew if I could go sit with my father, I can process this stuff. So he took all 12 of his apostles and he went to this place called Gethsemane. And we pick up the story and he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. Man, that's a powerful principle. And the principle is this. Step number three is, in the darkness, Jesus asked his closest friends to partner with him. Can I just pull over to the side of the road a minute? Are there any of us here who can admit, you don't have to put your hand in the air, but can you and I admit that sometimes when life gets dark, we go in the corner and take our can of worms and we sit there and say, I'm going to open this can of worms by myself. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. Nobody really knows how I feel. Nobody else feels like I do. And I'm going to eat this can of worms until I feel better. How'd that work? That's pretty, that's pretty tough. And yet, we isolate at the moment when we can least afford to isolate. Jesus, in the darkest hour of his life, took his 12 apostles, closest friends with him. And then he had three that he was actually closer to out of the 12. And he took those three with him a little bit further and he asked them to sit and watch and pray with him, to partner with him. We pick up the story. He became anguished and distressed in spirit. And he said to Peter, James, and John, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Sit here and keep watch with me. I can't imagine that Jesus didn't say that without tears in his eyes. His soul was crushed. And he said to his three closest friends, can you sit and watch and pray with me? On the inside, I'm going down. I can feel I'm losing ground. I'm going down. My soul is crushed. I'm crashing. I'm burning. Can you be with me? There's a really important principle here. And the principle is this. In the darkness, Jesus didn't hide his struggle. If you had been able to walk up to Jesus in the garden and say, Jesus, how are you doing? 
He would not have given you a typical Sunday morning answer. Fine, I'm good. Now, he didn't complain, and he didn't dump. And believe me, when you come to church, and I hug you, and I say, how are you doing? I'm not asking you to complain and dump on me. But I also want you to be honest with me. And don't be surprised some Sunday morning when I hug you and I look in your eyes and you say, I'm fine. If I pull you back and I say, you wouldn't lie to me, would you? Your eyes tell me something else. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going through a really tough time. Do you want to talk about it? We don't have to talk about it here. You can come and talk to me later. Yeah, you see, sometimes in our dark, we try, we try to pretend in public like we're good. We're okay. Jesus didn't do that. He looked at his friends and he said, I'm going down. I need some help. We pick up the story. He walked a little further. <clears throat> and bowing down with his face to the ground, he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this bitter suffering, this cup of bitter suffering be taken away from me. There, I can only say a little bit about this, but principle number five is this. In the darkness, Jesus openly processed his feelings, his emotions, his desires, and his requests with God. He did not give God the edited version. God, I know I'm supposed to trust you, so here I am. Really, I know life's tough, but I'm good. Nope. He said, Father, I know I don't understand everything. I've, I've got this human body, and I, I'm, I'm fully divine, but fully human. There's some things I don't fully understand. But if it's possible... Man, God, I don't want to go through with this. I told a group of people earlier this morning on December the 19th, 1991, uh, in a surfing accident, I broke my neck in four places. That was an awful injury and the recovery was awful. But you know what? I was blessed in that I did not know it was going to happen. Can you imagine if God woke me up that morning and said, Hey, Ron, don't sweat it, buddy, but you're going to break your neck in four places today. I would have been an absolute basket case. Yeah. And yet Jesus knew. And he knew it in detail. And he said, Father, I don't, I don't want to do this. I know what scourging is. I know what crucifixion is. I, I don't want to do this. Wow. He laid it out there. Again, he didn't complain. He didn't dump. But respectfully, he laid it all out for God. And his prayer goes on, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Listen, if, if we can get this straight, principle number six is this. In the darkness, 
Jesus ultimately trusted God with his life and with his death. I have a 95-year-old mother, and a topic that comes up in our conversation frequently these days is, Ron, I'm in good health, but I know that my death is imminent. And I don't know how I'm going to die. But I keep praying to God, please don't give me a stroke that leaves me partially paralyzed and unable to speak. Please, please, if you will, don't give me dementia where I don't know who I am and I don't know who anybody else is. And I'm just sort of a human vegetable that, that exists. Now, the truth is, my mom doesn't know how she will die and I don't know how I will die. I pray those same things. And yet for some of us, that will be the reality of our life. And if that is how it comes down for us, may we have what Jesus had. And that is, you know what? If this is the reality for my life, I'll be okay with that. I'm going to trust you in it. Not that you would give me dementia and not that you would give me a stroke. Life may do that. My own body may fail me and do that. But here's what I believe. You will walk with me through it. When Jesus returned to his apostles, he found them asleep. Oh, my. Were they praying? Well, their eyes were closed. But they weren't praying. They were sound asleep. Can we just be honest about this? Sometimes... In our moments of deepest need, people that we count on let us down. Have you ever experienced that? Probably everybody here has. What do we do with that? Well, I can tell you what Jesus did. Principle number seven, in the darkness, Jesus didn't allow himself to be defeated when his friends didn't support him as he hoped that they would. Now Luke throws in this little comment that says they were asleep because they could not keep their eyes open. Hmm. See, there's something going on here. Oftentimes we think when our world is crashing and we invite our friends to come into our world with us and to stand with us and be our support network and to walk with us through it, that somehow we forget they have a whole life too. And there might be stuff happening in that life that somehow hinders them from supporting us the way we would like. Now think with me for a minute. Where had the apostles been earlier that evening? They had been celebrating Passover. Okay? This is the Jewish equivalent, okay, meal-wise of Thanksgiving. A Jewish turkey was a lamb. And they roasted the lamb. 
and all the stuff that goes with a roasted lamb dinner. And they all ate roasted lamb and they had a drink or two and they ate bread and all the vegetables and everything that goes with it. And it was late at night and they were out in a dark garden and they frankly were all in a food coma. And Jesus says, watch and pray with me. And they tried. But the food won. And down they went. Can I just say to us, sometimes when our friends don't support us the way we want in these moments of need, we get angry at our friends and the hurts go really deep and the scars remain a long time. Am I speaking anybody's language? We all understand that, right? If we could be more like Jesus and realize they got stuff going on. It isn't that they didn't care. They did. They just couldn't keep their eyes open. We pick up the story. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, saying the same things again. You know, in the darkness, this is point number eight, in the darkness, Jesus made his request again and again. This is the same Jesus that earlier in his ministry had taught people to persist in prayer and ask the same things over and over again. And now he took his own advice and he went back to God and he prayed the exact same prayer. For those of you who are in a Friday season and you have been praying and God hasn't answered yet, don't feel guilty about praying again and again and again. Jesus did, and we can too. And then we pick up the story. When he returned, he found them sleeping again, for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, and then a messenger from heaven appeared to strengthen him. And in his anguish, he prayed even more intensely, and, he, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I don't have time to, to walk us through that whole thing. But here's what I want us to see. When you and I will do what we have talked about already and meet with God and not hide, but process things openly, when we do these things, God will meet us in the darkness. He always has and he always will. But I want to caution us. We think when God meets us in the darkness, he's going to put his arm around us and say, cheer up, I got it. It's all good from here. Oh, uh, no. After this messenger from heaven came, some people think it was an angel. It might have just been another person who knew Jesus well. And God said to them, hey, go, Jesus needs some help. And his friends are all sleeping. <laughs> could, could you go and help him? It was a messenger from God, and Jesus knew. And, and this person or angel strengthened Jesus, but it didn't mean things got better. Because it says, 
and he prayed even more intensely. Wow. But this time there was a difference in his prayer. Let's go a couple slides ahead. There it is. And he prayed, My father, if this cup of bitter suffering cannot be taken from me unless I drink it, your will be done. You see, there's a difference in that prayer. The first part, he's praying that God would take it away. Now he realizes, oh, this is the reality of my life. This is how it needs to be. So I'm going to embrace it and walk in it. I have a 24-year-old, I have a brother who when he was 24 had a major stroke and it left him paralyzed on half of his body. He, today he's 73 and no, two, and still paralyzed. For the first two years, he prayed Jesus' first prayer. God, if it's possible, would you take this from me, this paralysis? But after two years, he began to pray this prayer. And that is, God, if this is the reality of my life, I will embrace it and walk it out with you. And his testimony to me is, Ron, everything changed in my life when I prayed that prayer. And I quit asking God to change. And I began to ask God to work with who I was today. You see, principle number 10 is this. In the darkness... Jesus surrendered completely to God. So as we put a bow on this, I want to go to a prayer that our friends in the 12-step process pray often. And it is a prayer that all of us should become aware of and we should pray from Actually, we should pray pretty regularly. And when you think about Jesus' prayer in the garden, this was his form of this prayer. And it's commonly called the serenity prayer. And here it is on the screen. It is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. To change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That actually is the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. And this morning, it's the prayer that I want to leave us with. And I'm going to invite Spike to come back up, and we're going to, we're going to close with a song that actually is a prayer. And this is a hymn that comes from some of our backgrounds but the message of this hymn is timeless because it should be the cry of our hearts. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that in your darkest hour, you laid out such a clear path for us. Would you give us the courage and the faith to follow in your footsteps in the Friday seasons of our lives? Would you give us grace? to accept what we cannot change and even embrace it knowing you will walk with us in it. The courage to actually work to change the things we can knowing that you will walk in that with us. And would you give us the faith to believe 
that you will give us the wisdom to know the difference. We pray it in your beautiful name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.